I know some of us are disappointed that this Earth Day is not filled with sunshine, but we have had quite a few sunny days, and if you are a plant, you are not disappointed uh, in, in the rain today. On this Earth Day, I want to begin by expressing my special appreciation to all the volunteers who dedicated their Saturday yesterday to cleaning and greening uh, the Meeting House and Parish House, and also to the members of the Environmental Justice Task Force who assisted in leading worship this morning. A couple of Aprils ago, I received a news release from the Regional Communications Director of a mainline Christian denomination announcing the blessing of the Priuses at a downtown Boston church. Prius owners in the Boston area, the release stated, are invited to drive by so their environmentally sensitive vehicles can be blessed. The blessings celebration will be followed by the running of the Priuses where SUV drivers will be encouraged to run on foot in front of the herd of just blessed vehicles. 51 minutes later, I received a second email with the subject line, cancel email re Prius. I'm afraid I was taken in as part of an April Fool's joke, the communications director confessed. The Prius story is a fake. My apologies. Ironically, it sounded like something we would do. Something we would do. Giving her the benefit of the doubt, I'll assume the communications director meant the blessing of the Priuses rather than the running down of the SUV drivers. In either event, it's a sad commentary on the religious response so far to the ecological crisis. We face threats to human survival unprecedented in our history substantiated by scientific evidence that grows more stark and irrefutable almost daily. Just last month, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released a 600-page report prepared by 220 authors from 62 countries, citing thousands of scientific studies and predicting a significant increase in extreme weather resulting from global warming. Last year alone, 1,600 tornadoes buffeted the United States. In Thailand, rainfall was 80% more than normal. The year before, Russia endured its hottest summer in five centuries. The IPCC report projected that by the end of this century, heat waves currently experienced once every 20 years will occur every two years. While no country is immune to climate-related disasters, poorer nations pay a higher price in dollars and deaths because they are least able to respond. Yet these same nations are the least responsible for global warming because they contribute the least greenhouse emissions compared to the industrialized world. In the United States, what should be an urgent debate over how best to respond to the climate crisis has turned into an ideological shouting match over whether global warming is even real, distorted by millions of dollars pumped into advertising, lobbying, and campaign contributions by the Koch brothers, Exxon Mobil, and other carbon 
profiteers. Thanks to their disinformation campaign, 42% of respondents to a recent Gallup poll believe that the news media are exaggerating global warming, while 15% insist not only that global warming isn't happening, but that it will never happen. Only half of Americans, according to this poll, believe global warming has begun. The same proportion as in 1998. Same as it ever was, sang the talking heads. And you may ask yourself, what is that beautiful house? And you may ask yourself, where does that highway go? And you may ask yourself, am I right? Am I wrong? And you may tell yourself, my God, what have I done? To choose life in this planet time is a mighty adventure, reflects Buddhist eco-philosopher Joanna Macy, whom Linda Clark quoted earlier. For if there is to be a livable world, Macy writes, for those who come after us, it will be because we have managed to make the transition from the industrial growth society to a life-sustaining society. When people of the future look back at this historic moment, they will see, perhaps more clearly than we can now, how revolutionary it is. They may well call it the time of the great turning. They will see it as epical. In her book, Coming Back to Life, Macy offers a meditation she calls the web of life. A meditation to help reconnect us with our ancestors, the earth and the stars. I'd like to lead you in this meditation right now. It's up to you if you'd rather make plans or just daydream, that's okay. But if you'd like to give it a try, I invite you to begin the meditation by putting both feet on the floor, sitting upright but relaxed, and gently closing your eyes. Feel breath lungs, abdomen, glide on the breath, in and out. The oxygen ignites each cell, stirs it awake as it burns in the metabolism of life. Extend your awareness deep within as you feel this energy. It's all around you, too, sustaining the bodies in this room, sparking in the great cycles of air, water, fire, and earth, flowing through us all.
weaving us into the web of life. Imagine you can see these interlacing currents like threads of light, perhaps. See how they connect us. and extend beyond this room, this moment. Experience the great multiplicity of strands formed by countless relationships, woven of the work and food, the laughter and tears we've shared with others. They shape what we are. They hold us in place. Sense those filaments. Lie into them. The web sustains our bones and blood and skin concocted so intricately out of the food we have eaten, out of grains, vegetables, fruit, grown in so many places near and far. The grass and the munching jaws of the cow as she makes our milk or our butter and cheese the soil that yields the grain for our bread, the boughs of the tree that bears the oranges for our juice, the hands that plow, sow, reap, process. They all are of our body now. Back through time, this web extends. Mothers, fathers, great-grandmothers, great-grandfathers, giving us our coloring and features, our gestures, our tone of voice. The web extends back through countless generations through numberless ancestors we share, all the way back to those with gills and wings. For it is of star stuff evolving that we all are made in the flowing of time. We are each a jewel in this vast net that called us into being. Each of us an unrepeatable jewel, sparkling with awareness, reflecting the world. Sound of gull crying over the sea, sight of mountain rising, colors of sunrise, 
sense of pine and loam. The excitement of a new idea. The melody of a favorite song. There is pain, too. Coming in along the strands of the web. A friend with cancer. An oil spill coating the beach. An Iraqi mother weeping for her lost children. Do not shut them out. They inhere in the web of this planet time open to these sorrows. Breathe them in so the channels may stay open for the flow of energy and life and change. If we block the pain, we block the joy out too. There is power in the flowing of this fluid net. Love that has enriched us and love that we give. Feel the caring and love that flow through you and out from you. Open to the pulsing of the web, its murmurs, whispers, tugs. Through that vast network, all forms arose. Intelligence arose. It shaped us as it shaped the mockingbird and the deep diving trout. We are of it. Of it even to the terrors we've unleashed now. Open to it all, unafraid, relaxed, alert. We are the universe knowing itself. to everyone and everything, to neighbors and to strangers we open now. In this time of hardship, we go now through a place of shadows, but we do not go alone. And we do not go without our own timeless knowledge of the dark. We come from it. It is behind our eyes. And we will look into it together until the dark itself is clear and home. There is nowhere you can go where you're not held in the web 
that sustains us all. Still sensing these connections through space and time, we stretch now and open our eyes. Twelve centuries ago, a prophecy arose among Buddhists in Tibet. It foretold a time when all life on earth would be in danger. Great barbarian powers wield weapons of vast power that lay waste to the world. And then, Shambhala warriors appear. They wear no insignia, nor armor. They defend no fortresses. But they have great courage, for they must enter the barbarian citadels, the corridors of power, to dismantle the armaments. The Shambhala warriors are highly disciplined and skilled in the use of just two weapons, compassion and insight. Compassion to open the heart to the pain of the world and insight to understand the interdependence of all beings. Together, compassion and insight make the Shambhala warriors invincible. Some believe that the time of this prophecy has come. At the turn of the 20th century, sensing the upwelling forces of industrialization, militarism, and imperialism that would soon explode into the First World War, a 23-year-old German poet named Rainer Maria Rilke set down a series of mystical poems he felt were spontaneously received from God. In one of these poems, Rilke senses God walking with us, silently, out of the night, speaking words we dimly hear, You, 
sent out beyond your recall. Go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. Amen, and blessed be.